what if there were a fountain of youth pill that could add decades to your life? Would you take it? Unlocking the Fountain is a podcast about the mysteries of aging and the scientific quest to slow, stop, or even reverse it. When do you think we're going to have the first 150-year-old? I think that person's already alive. Unlocking the Fountain. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Ian Reid grew up on a farm in rural Ontario. He wrote stories, he worked at the CBC, so he's not entirely sure how he ended up on a Zoom call with two of the biggest actors in the world staring at him and asking him questions about his book. Ian is the author behind the novel Faux, and that has just been adapted into a new movie. Ian will be here to tell you what this experience has been like and why he wanted to write a love story set around AI and climate change. That's coming up. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. I think it's fair to say that the Canadian author Ian Reid is, is a friend of the show at this point. He's been on Q to talk about each of his three novels, two of which have been turned into pretty riveting films. Uh, one is I'm Thinking of Ending Things that Charlie Kaufman turned into a movie for Netflix in 2020. If you haven't seen it, it's unbelievable. And also, I still, to this day, read Reddit threads about it, trying to figure out what exactly happened. Now, Ian's second novel, it's called Foe, that's F-O-E, Foe, has been adapted into a new film. I'll set it up a little bit for you. Um, Foe stars Saoirse Ronan and Paul Mezcal as a couple living on an isolated farm in a landscape uh, ravaged by climate change in the year 2065. Saoirse plays Hen, and Paul plays her husband, Junior. One day, a stranger arrives. The stranger's name is Terrence. He's working for this government agency, and he tells um, them that one of them, Junior, is going to be sent to space to a new colony. And the time they have left together under the eyes of this new person who's sticking around, they're struggling to understand their relationship and one another while the seconds tick down. So yeah, it's suspenseful, it's kind of dystopian, it's dramatic. But really, Ian sees it as a story about relationships and how we interact with one another. So what happens when you're a small-town Ontario writer and a big movie studio picks up your book? What happens when your brother works for a space agency and you write a book that involves space travel? And when film studios start adapting everything you're writing, does that change how you write your books in the future? Here's my conversation with Ian Reid. Welcome back to the show, Ian. How are you? Hi, Sam. I'm, uh, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Congratulations on the, on the film. Thank you. It's, uh, it's been a bit of a whirlwind the last couple of weeks as it has come out uh, in theaters, both in Canada and the States and uh, in the UK uh, coming up. So it's been uh, great uh, to finally make it to this point because it always feels along the way with the film. It always feels like at any point um, it, something may come up to halt the progression. So it does feel um, satisfying that we're finally here. You know, I mentioned uh, a little bit about the plot there, and I, I got to be really careful not to give too much away. But yeah, two people isolated a farmhouse. Representative from a government agency tells the husband that he's going to space, the wife that she's staying behind. Where were you in your life when you wrote Faux? I think I was, I think it probably goes back to around 2014, almost a decade ago now. When I first started writing it, I had finished I'm Thinking of Anythings, which was my first novel, but it hadn't come out yet. And so instead of spending time, you know, worrying about what people were going to make of that book when it came out, which is something I would do. And so I started thinking about writing a new novel. And the two things 
um, to, to, to start faux. You know, I never plan a novel too much. I never have an outline. I just like to start with an idea or an image, maybe the character, something, uh, some sort of seed to start this a story. And then I start writing. The case of faux, there are two things. One, my brother works in the space industry, um, you know, as a scientist, he's a scientist and engineer. And so I'd always wanted to use him as a resource um, to write some kind of novel that would include a space element, because then I could have, it would be authentic and accurate. And I just didn't know what that was going to be. And around that time, I had attended this award ceremony and a fellow was winning this award and he thanked his wife uh, for when he was receiving the award. And he said something like, I just would like to thank my wife, Jane, um, that wasn't her real name, but something, you know, I'd like to thank Jane for always being my support for all these years. And for whatever reason in that moment, something about that seemed unsettling to me. Um, I, I just thought, well, what is, what is her thing? You know, what does she do? It's not just to prop up his genius or whatever, you know? Um, and so I started thinking about that type of relationship, that type of marriage, um, where kind of narratives are written within the relationship. And, and I started to write and I realized that that type of relationship felt confining um and so i kind of had this setting of an old farmhouse which also feels confining when there's only two people there um, and it's in the middle of nowhere and so i realized quickly that well the opposite of that is space you know is literally endless it goes on forever and so i realized this would also sort of be my space book somehow and with that with those basic ingredients i, I just started writing faux when did the sort of the the tech and the AI and the climate change parts of it start seeping into the book? They started seeping in quite early, I think. I, I wanted to, um, more than anything, I, I really wanted to have some sort of narrative techniques that, um, for me, felt something I hadn't done before. Um, and so I started to include, I started to get excited about including some stuff about AI because at that time, this is this is a long time. This is a you know number of years ago, eight or nine years ago. AI was not really discussed, you know, the way it is now. It's it's obviously now has affected all of our lives and will continue to do that. But at that time, it was it it was still much more kind of theoretical. So I I was kind of excited by that. And again, talking to my brother and talking to just some you know computer programmers and various people, I was learning a lot about AI at that time. And I I I wanted to include that somehow. I didn't really know exactly how I would include that. When I developed, when I had this idea that one person in this couple in the story was going to be taken to space and I, and I was thinking about space too and how our relationship um as people is will likely change um our relationship to space is going to change over the next few decades and so that also seemed kind of exciting to me to try and project that and as I wrote it as I found the story and was writing it more um over the first draft I realized that that was really not what I was interested in you know that was again just sort of this this narrative technique to get at what I was interested in, which was this couple, this relationship. And, you know, it's, I mean, similar in a way to I'm thinking of anything, which ended up is a story really about existing within a relationship and how we can project things on people when we're in a relationship. And I, with Faux, I, you know, I came back to it as well, writing about relationships and in this case, sort of identity. What are our, can we keep our own identity within a relationship and marriage and, and so all the 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 AI and the the space stuff really any and the climate aspect of it really are metaphors, you know, for for this main thing that I'm writing about, which is the marriage and a particular kind of marriage. It's not 
a marriage that is, you know, affected by one dramatic event, which I think we often see depicted in film and, and novels, it's sort of an affair or something like that, but something that is affected slowly, you know, over time. When the film writes to the novel sell, they sell before the book is even published, right? You I mean you have this novel mm-hmm. fully realized, a novel that goes on to be really successful, it gets nominated for awards and sells a ton of uh, t- sells a ton of copies. Um, and then you have to adapt it into a movie. You you co-write the screenplay. So when when it comes time to write this thing again, where does that start for you? Do you start with an image? Do do you start with a piece of dialogue? After I met Garth Davis, who who was going to be the director, he and I met in a room in, in, in Los Angeles, and we started just kind of going through the book, talking about what it could be. And it, it was pretty clear as we were doing that that he and I had a very similar vision for this for this film and we got along and so we we proposed that maybe we could try writing this this screenplay um and thankfully the producer at that time carrie roberts um sort of agreed to let us have a have a go i I really didn't want to feel beholden to the novel i didn't want garth to feel that way i wanted us to use it as our starting point um but I wanted him to feel the freedom to come up with new ideas. And I wanted to do that as well. You know, for me, it was, it was, I love the idea of getting to go back and think about a story that I've already worked on for years in a totally new context. I mean, I've said this before, but I feel like, you know, if I didn't have to publish books to make a living, I, I feel like I could just write the same book over and over and over, <laughs> and over which, which probably speaks to like my type of life. Um, but I, I just love it, you know, because it's never perfect. You can always make it better. Right. It's always something I can just keep revising. As I said, like taking stuff, oh. adding stuff, and you know, it just it's it's at some point an editor says, okay, we gotta we gotta put this book out in the world, you know. So make it as good, get it as good as you as you can, and then we got to do that. But it, it's never perfect, and so it, it felt like I got a couple of years later. Now we start working on the film, and I get this opportunity to go back to it, think about these characters, and it again, it sounds silly probably, but I really care about these characters when I'm writing the novel. I, I think about them every day and I miss them when, yeah. I, when it's over. And so it really felt exciting to revisit it, but in a totally new form and think, try and think about it cinematically. Oh, oh, okay. So, but when, when, when these two characters that you're talking about, um, Junior and Hen, who, who are played by uh, Paul Mescal and uh, Saoirse Ronan in, in this film, th- there's another challenge presented to you because not only are these, they go from being characters of that you've sort of created in your mind that sort of live in my mind as someone who read the book to some to people who are going to read dialogue and represent these characters did they have questions for you they did and when we started working on the the, the film and this the script was now kind of done and cast we had these long we would have the, I had these long zooms with the actors leading up to the filming which I'd never had that chance to do that before. And I loved it. Um, what were they, what they were they were asking, asking you? They were asking a lot about backstory, that stuff that's not in the novel. They wanted to know if I had any extra, like if I, if I knew more about these characters than was in the novel. And of course, like I love, I mean, I, I could talk about that stuff for all night, you know, no one else would be interested to do that, but it was both one. It was interesting because I came up with these characters and I definitely had backstories in my mind and I, 
I, I enjoyed the process of discussing that, but it also, to me, right away set the tone of the level of commitment of these actors and how much they wanted to take on with these roles, how much they wanted to commit to it. And it makes, you know, made me feel like I have to match that. I want to match that level of commitment. And along the way, the whole process, everyone who came on to the film was, was like that. And I love how actors, they just, you know, I feel like I'm just giving them the bare bones, just the words. That's it. It's not, it's not much really when you think about what goes into a film and they take it and they make it so much more and they make it their own. And in this case, Sertia and Paul and Aaron as well, who plays Terrence, they all, they all made these distinct decisions. They all brought something that far exceeded my expectations. It, it was a, it was an amazing experience to see that. Um, and I'm, I feel grateful to them. We'll be right back. Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel, ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast, Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you got your podcasts. I mean, maybe this is a turbo Canadian question to ask you, and maybe I'm revealing something more about myself than I am curious <laughs> about about you. But like, isn't there a part of you that's like, I mean, I know I, I've talked to you before, and we did a big talk about your whole life last time we talked to you. And, you know, is there is there any part of you that's like, geez, I used to work for CBC Radio. I did, you know, I, I grew up on a, on a country uh, farm and I never thought yeah. I was ever going to write novels at all and here I am with these two like gigantic movie stars on a Zoom asking me questions oh absolutely I mean <laughs> I think about that all I mean I think about that a lot especially now you know the, the film comes out seeing it in a for the first couple times in a, in a massive theater with an audience it is surreal and I'm it, my I feel lucky it feels you know i know there's luck involved and i feel grateful for sure for that all the people involved and the people who are willing to see the movie and think about it and but definitely during those those zoom calls i mean i i'm nervous going into it you know i'm absolutely i'm you know i'm setting up a fan pointed at me and I, you know I'm cold water and i'm like i hope i don't come across as nervous uh, because i am and i want them to think i'm professional and but it, it you know right away i think because of how who they are as well they put me at ease and there's nothing pretentious about them. They're not trying to, they're not trying to impress in any way. They're, they're really just trying to do their work and they're, they're really, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people say this about colleagues, but they really are lovely people. And, and uh, it, it's been so nice to get to know them. And I think like, you know, whatever line of work you're in, it's, it's, it, it means so much when you feel that way about the people you work with and, and the fil film, you know, as I'm, I'm learning, and it probably sounds obvious to people who've been in this line of work longer, but it's, it's just so inherently collaborative. And, and I think writing a novel is the opposite. It's, it's so solitary for such a long time, basically until you start working with your editor. Um, but with the, the, with the film, right from the beginning, it's, it's collaborative. And in, in my case, the two experiences I've had so far have both been 
Amazing. I'm going to go back to something you said a little bit earlier. You were talking to me a little bit about how this, we you know, when you were first started writing this book, there was a lot more um, AI, a lot more space, yeah. um, a lot more, a lot more tech in this book. And then, you know, slowly but surely, you started to realize that this book is really, I mean, the the tech and the and the space and the is is all. Um, sort of window dressing for what is a conversation yeah. about about a, a relationship. This is not the first time. I mean, you mentioned this earlier too that you know I'm thinking of ending things is about the expectations and the sort of uh, costumes that we put on our, our partners, um, and and this is a little bit you know about a different side of the relationship. As a writer, where do these questions about relationships come from in you? That's a good. I'm not. I'm not totally sure. Um, I think. I think part of it comes from just a, a curiosity in of life. You know, being curious about my own life, being you know, observing people that I'm around, existing in relationships myself. I think relationships are the are the thing maybe that most people can identify with over anything. You know, almost everyone has been in some kind of relationship, and so I, I don't set out to write about that. For that reason, it just I think it ends up coming back to that because I realize it's such a universal thing. And it's something that I personally think a lot about. And and that's another part of this is that I feel like no matter what I write, be it you know, a novel or a script or it, it will always be personal. I've kind of come to that understanding realization. I don't think I would be very good at in fact I know I wouldn't just setting down to write a story that would be thrilling or um, if it didn't, if I didn't feel somehow connected to it, if it didn't, if it didn't, you know, intrigue me or unsettle me personally, you know, and so I think that's part of it. And I mean, even I'm thinking about things when I started that, I wasn't setting out to necessarily write about a relationship. I, the character, the main character in that, you know, is 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 Jake, and he's a biochemist. So I I got to go spend time in a biochemistry lab. I learned a lot about chemistry. So that was in the first draft. All this extra biochemistry stuff that I was sort of proud of and I thought this is cool it's interesting and again over time I started to realize it doesn't actually have to be in the book because that's not really what the book is about and it still kind of exists I think when you read it, it's there even though it's not in the book and the same thing happened with oh, same thing with my most recent novel we spread the first draft had you know just pages of math equations and my editor was like you know we can't actually publish this I, I thought, okay, yeah, you're probably right. That's not, it's not going to be readable. So I love, and, I, I love that. I love that. It's someone's job in all of your books to come in and kind of de-nerd you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. Because I do want to be, I do kind of want to fully explore these things. I think in that first draft, that's when I, I want to feel there are no, there's nothing holding me back. It's really just, and especially writing a novel, there's no budget. It's not, there's no constraints other than your imagination. When when the film is screening, I mean, given that you, you're you're interested in and in how the audience takes in the takes in the film, when the film is actually screening and you're there in the theater with them, can you watch it, or are you just watching and and sort of um, observing the audience's response? It's a little it's a little bit of both. I mean, I I think the first time I saw it was at the New York Film Festival uh, earlier this month. We had the world premiere there, which was very nice and, and lucky that they invited us and. We saw, you know, any everybody who could be there from involved in the film was there. So we sort of had this little reunion before, and then we entered this beautiful theater in New York that was full. And my, you know, you feel almost emotional, I think, because of its years of work. And I and I know the level of 
uh, work, and I know the place, the place that it's come from. Everybody who's worked on it, and it's it's all the best intentions were there, and so it it really was a nice feeling just to walk into that theater. I think about you know I thought about the times that I used to help out selling tickets at you know the cinema in, in Kingston and just being a movie fan. Um, and so and then we sat down and and the movie started, and I I did feel nervous a little bit when it started because I. I I was sort of thinking, oh, how are people going to react to this? Or are they going to, you know, are they going to make a noise when something like this happens? Or, and slowly as the film went on, I kind of, I kind of just became part of the audience. I, I, I felt, you know, as I reflect on it after I, I and I was really happy for that because I, that's what I wanted to be. I just wanted to be an audience member in that moment and, and, and react myself and, and hear the parts where they might laugh or, or, you know, if they cried at a certain moment or, and, and then we got to, you know, interact with them after and hear have some questions. And it was really gratifying to get to that point. It did feel sort of full circle from the, that time Garth and I first met and start and just were brainstorming, having fun talking about what kind of, mm. you know, a movie this could be to then being in a, in a cinema, watching it on the big screen, hearing it and, and getting instant reaction from audience members. Well, just in the last, in the last minute um, we have here um, before, before we go, and I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if this is a minute answer, but I'm, 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 I'm still, I still want to ask it when your novels get adapted so quickly and, and all of them, it becomes a pretty safe bet that your future novels will also get adapted or at least acquired for adaption. You, do you think in any way, even subconsciously, maybe change the way that you write them? I, I hope not. I think you're you're right that there is that possibility of happening. I, I try not to think so much about that because if I get an idea for a story, I, I now try and think about it in either the realm of the literary or the cinematic. And if it seems more like a novel, I try and really think about that. How can I write this in a novel that makes it worthy of that? Or vice versa, if it feels like a screenplay and it feels visual to me, I, I want to try it, you know, doing that. What, I do think one way that it maybe has affected my writing is just the more it's, writing is like so many things, the more you do it, the more experience you have. And I think by writing now some screenplays, there are restrictions in screenplays like length. And um, I think in a good way that has impacted my writing just uh, just for ideas of brevity and you it's easy when you're writing a novel because you could write an 800 page novel if you wanted to but it's probably not ideal um so it's good to just have sometimes sometimes those those little piece those little points in your mind saying oh you know maybe rein it in a little bit here you're going on a little bit too far or um because you have to in the screenplay so i do think just there's such different forms they're, they're, they're so different but i think kind of going back and forth for me in a way is is beneficial and and vice versa sometimes going to a screenplay you also don't have to be so brief and so concerned about that that you don't allow the characters to get into some interesting dialogue and so that so they do inform each other at least for me you know kind of going back and forth whereas i try not to think oh i wonder what will happen if this novel gets picked up for a film i i, I think i i try and cross that bridge if it ever happens when i get there and when I'm working on a novel, I really try just day to day to be thinking about it as a novel. And congratulations on, on Foe. I really loved watching the movie um, and uh, almost as much as I really loved reading the book first time around. So thanks so much for making the time for us today. And congratulations, man. 
Thank you so much. It's, it really is always a pleasure to talk to you. And I just appreciate uh, what you guys are doing there. So thank you. Thank you so much. All right. That's it for the show today. Uh, love having Ian Reed. I love that. I've, so this is my eighth year doing the show, which means I've been doing the show for seven years. It's that one of those weird things. Like I've been doing the show for seven years. And this is the eighth season, however, however that works. And it's really cool that uh, over time, um, we start to have repeat guests over and over again. And it's lovely to have Ian back to talk a little bit about, I mean, he came on to talk about Faux when the book came out and now he's here to talk about the film adaptation. So what a, what a joy it is to talk to him. But what happens when it doesn't work out? I know that sounds a bit dark, but, but really like, you know, what, what happens when you have a dream of being an author and you don't turn out to be Ian Reed? I'm thinking a lot about that. I watched um, Vivek Shreya's new show. It's called How to Fail as a Pop Star. Vivek had this dream when she was a kid, and I mean like a real dream that she pursued and did everything she could to try and make it happen, of being a Madonna-level pop star. And it didn't work out. So what, what happens then? What happens when it doesn't work out? And what responsibility do people like me have in making sure we tell stories that sometimes... It doesn't work out, and you can't just believe in your dreams and everything's going to be okay. Vivek's here for a conversation about failure that I've never heard anyone else have on this show or on the CBC. And uh, you can find that wherever you got this podcast. Go check that out. We'll see you soon. Later on. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.